Alex. Yes, Addison? Do you like things that are strange, unusual, weird, and wonderful? Uh, it's... Yeah, that's been said about me. Well, how about, uh, the South's answer to Miskatonic University? Does that sound appealing to you? I'm here and there on the South, but you've got me. You've got me. <laughs> I've got Reel you. Reel me in. Reel me in. I'm hooked. Let me tell you about a podcast. It's called The Alexandria Archives. They're mm-hmm. a friend of the show and an excellent uh, podcast that is about a fictional radio show set at the fictional Alexandria University. And it covers all things weird and wonderful and supernatural and strange. And it's just a good old time. Alexandria Archives. Why does that sound so familiar? Well, it's because they're our sponsor. And also, we've both appeared on that show. That would probably do it. (laughs) Yes. Alexandria Archives is a really fun, super enjoyable little podcast that takes the format of a radio show on a university campus. And so you'll have fun like narrations and stories. You'll have recurring characters that go on zany adventures and all of it with sort of a paranormal twist to it. That's a lot of fun. It's like think Welcome to Night Vale meets Radio Free Roscoe. That's exactly it. It's great fun. You can find them on iTunes under the Alexandria Archives. You can find them on Twitter at WHAU Signal. And you can find them on their website at alexandriaarchives.com. So that's Alex, like your name. Like mine, yes. Andrea, A-N-D-R-I-A, and then archives, A-R-C-H-I-V-E-S dot com. Dot C-O-M. Dot C-O-M. Yay, yeah, Wendigos. At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And we're ready to take you on a journey. <laughs> yes, we are. Not like a literal journey, unless you're already going somewhere. If you're listening like in the car, on your on a bike, plane, on a plane, on a the bus. A plane, train, an automobile. If you're living somewhere with reliable public transportation, I'm proud of you. I'm um, jealous. I'm jealous. <laughs> And we hope that we can make your commute a little bit easier, a little bit more fun. Not to shame you if you aren't moving somewhere right now. It's perfectly fine if you're sitting at your desk. Uh, just tell your boss that you're listening to NPR. Then you can pretend that you're uh, learning about the global economy and not about uh, creepy critters. Hi, welcome to Big Picture Science. We're here to talk about monsters. <laughs> um, so if you're not going anywhere actively, you're just going to come with us on a, on a word journey, on a thought yeah. journey, on a... Uh, a lucid dream of... <laughs> cryptozoological proportions. Beautiful. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what it's going to feel like, because this one's a little bit weird. Oh, boy. It's not, like, super weird. It's one that I think a lot of people already know about. All right. But it's, one, so much fun to say, and, two, so much fun to just, like, talk about. Yeah, so quick peek behind the curtain. Alex texted me and said, I think you're going to like this week's cryptid. And so. then what I later amended it to is, I think you will enjoy the boy, <laughs> which is catchier. Um, I don't know. Enjoy the boy. Enjoy the boy. It sounds like a really weird, like, soda campaign. It's 
really uncomfortable. It sounds like, um, you know, it was really awful, like those really uncomfortable Pop-Tarts commercials where they like... Oh my God, yeah. yeah you know what I'm talking about? Where like a uh-huh. human tricks a Pop-Tart into like... Like Safari hunting a Pop-Tart. Yeah. Like, like Robert Muldoon in Jurassic Park. Or it's like super weird. rigs up like Home Alone style traps to yeah, toast the Pop-Tart and then eats it. That sounds like the, the the thing that would come up after that. After Pop-Tarts, the... enjoy the boy. Yep, there it is. I don't love it. It's bad. Continue. <laughs> Tell me about the cryptid. Uh, so today we're going to talk about the Ogopogo. Yes. That was genuine. She had no idea that was coming. <laughs> the Ogopogo. The Ogopogo. I'm so excited. Yeah. So here's a fun little intro for you from LiveScience.com. Scotland's Loch Ness may have the fame as far as lake monsters go, but for many monster searchers, often dubbed cryptozoologists, Ogopogo, a creature said to lurk in Canada's Lake Okanagan, is the most likely and best documented of all lake monsters. That's right. For cryptozoologists like John Kirk of the British Columbia Scientific Cryptozoology Club, the catalog of films and video of Ogopogo are more numerous and of better quality than anything I have personally seen at Loch Ness, and I believe that several of them are very persuasive that a large, living, unknown creature inhabits the lake. Amazing. Yeah, so the place that we're coming from with Ogopogo is that a lot of people actually do have reason to believe that it's real. I mean, we always have reason to believe, but, like, there's factual scientific reason to believe. Whoa. I know. There's like... What's that? Evidential reason to believe. Uh, I've never heard of her. You've never heard of the Ogopogo? No, evidential reason to believe. Oh, gosh darn it. That was a funny joke and I ruined it. I like stepped right into (laughs) it. Um, Wow. You like laid that out for me and then I just crushed it. It's okay. It's fine. Uh, Wow. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. (sighs) Gotta get my breath back for a second. I... That's sometimes you so just, unlike me. Sometimes you just trample through the garden of my mind. It's all right. Oh, no, that's poetic and also very sad. Uh, shoot. No, right I really now I'm trying to make sure I'm pronouncing the name of this lake right because I looked it up and now I'm paranoid that I'm totally messing just up. Just call it Ogopogo's House. Lake Ogopogo Place. <laughs> Wait, can I see the, the, the word? Uh, yeah, but I'm going to have to pull it back up here because no I accidentally just closed that page. No, Okanagan? I need that page anyway. Is it Okanagan? I think so. Okanagan. 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 I don't think it's that. Okanagan. Okanagan? You actually pronounce... It might be Okanagan. All right. Canadian? Okanagan. Right? No. I don't know. (laughs) I'm leaning on you here. (laughs) Hi, welcome to MC Grammar, a podcast all about pronunciation of words. Yeah, okay. You, yes. That's fine. It's fine. Uh, hmm. Nothing for MC okay. Grammar? MC Grammar was a very good joke. Thank I'm you. still trying to figure out Okanagan. <laughs> just say Okanagan. Okay. Someone will, Twitter will tell us if Twitter will tell me I'm wrong. I'll just change it every time I say it so that one of them will be right. And I'll say, no, I pronounced it correctly. <laughs> I just also pronounced it incorrectly. If you listen to the episode, times. you will in fact hear I did pronounce it right. Okay. Anyway, All in right. Canadian folklore, Ogopogo, or the Naitaka, which comes from Nhaitik, Lake Demon is a lake monster reported to live in <laughs> lake in British Columbia, Canada. Ogopogo has been allegedly seen by First Nations people since the 19th century. And this is from Wikipedia, so I trust it. The most common depiction of Ogopogo is a 40 to 50 foot long, which is like 12 to 15 meters. That's big. Very long. Um, uh, a sea serpent resembling an extinct Bacillosaurus or Mosasaurus. 
Okay. Skeptic Benjamin Radford notes that these First Nation stories were not referring to a literal lake monster like Ogopogo, but instead to a legendary water spirit. And there is some truth to that, even though I kind of desperately want to know what somebody does to get themselves just labeled as, like, acclaimed skeptic. Also, with a name like that, how could he have been anything else? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Uh, But yeah, so basically what we're coming from here is that the First Nations people of the area in Canada have, like... A, a sort of long-standing mythological affiliation with this particular water spirit, and that those myths have sort of over time become affiliated with the Ogopogo. But they're they're different things. It's sort of like the, and I I don't pretend to be an expert on native mythology or indigenous folklore. That's not my job. I don't come from from a place of personal experience, so I'm not going to try to tell you like this is what it is. Um, but basically. It exists in that place of like them having this this story and this this sort of mythos about this particular water deity that they would interact with on a spiritual and folkloric level. Um, at the same time, holding that sort of like knowledge that it's not a real lake monster, and then this actual lake monster existing in the same place, mm-hmm. and those sort of origin stories getting blended up together. I know I say this like eight times out of ten, but consider Tulpa. Consider a tulpa. It is definitely possible. Consider willing it into existence by talking yeah, about absolutely. it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Before we do anything else, I want you guys to know where the name Ogopogo comes from. Please. Because it's also very interesting. And you may not know this. So the name Ogopogo originates from a 1924 English music hall song called the Ogopogo or the Funny Foxtrot. So it was a dance? It was a dance by Cumberland Clark and Mark Strong. Yeah, oh. it's like a it's like a weird dance hall song. So and you do the yoga pogo. Kind of. I'll play a little bit of it for you. Please do. And I'm not sure exactly how this got mixed up, but the cover art for the sheet music, um, which I found, and this is dating back to like the original release of the music, is this little guy right here. And he's it sort of a weird looking like water demon sort of guy a playing goblin. a banjo, like a weird goblin with some ears and things. Doesn't look anything like we know the Ogopogo to look. It's like a goblin with Dumbo ears yeah. and a tambourine. But it's sort of the idea of it being like a weird sort of whimsical monster boy that I think got it caught up. And I'm going to actually try to play some for you. And I hope that this doesn't like mess up the audio quality Is so, it public so bad. domain while we get sued? No, we're fine. We're okay. fine. It's like instrumental for a while and it goes on, but there are lyrics. Oh, I want to hear them. Pull them up for you. Isn't this fun? His mother was a polywog, his father was a whale. Yep. And so the Ogopogo song goes on to detail like this weird monster boy that plays the banjo and loves having a good time. A polywog and a whale cannot have a child together. No, but let's talk a little bit about the lyrics to this thing, because okay. they are a lot. Can you recite them for me? I will. Thank you. One fine day in Hindustan, I met a funny little man with googly eyes and lantern jaws, a new silk hat, and some old plus fours. When I said to that quaint old chap, why do you carry that big steel trap, that butterfly net, and that rusty gun? He replied, listen here, my son. I'm looking for the Ogopogo, the funny little Ogopogo. His mother was a polywog. His father was a whale. I'm going to put a little bit of salt on his tail. I want to find the Ogopogo while he's playing on his old banjo. The Lord Mayor of London, the Lord Mayor of London, the Lord Mayor of London wants to put him in the Lord Mayor's show. 
Is that it? And there's more. There's oh. a second verse. Oh. <laughs> On his banjo night and day, the Ogopogo loves to play. He charms the snakes and chimpanzees, the big baboons, and the bumblebees. Lions and tigers begin to roar. Play us that melody just once more. Did I hear the sound of an old banjo? Pardon me, I shall have to go. And then it goes back to the chorus. I'm looking for the Ogopogo, the funny little Ogopogo, etc., etc., etc. Oh my god. So yeah, it's a song about... A way back when cryptozoologist trying to find and catch the Ogopogo to put in the Lord Mayor of London's, like, traveling show. I question this cryptozoologist's qualifications if he believes the Ogopogo to be the offspring of a polywog, a.k.a. a tadpole, and a whale. (laughs) Yeah, he knows literally nothing about biology or the Ogopogo because none of this is correct. But it's funny, and it's, like, interesting that this was sort of a pop culture thing that then, like, the name became Mm -hmm. the legend, you know? It's really interesting. But I thought that was funny. I love, like, old, weird I want to bring that song back. I want to bring that song back to join the ranks of one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people. We'll do a cover of the Ogopogo. Oh, my um, gosh. So, uh, new Patreon stretch goal. Yeah. Okay. If we get to $3,000, we'll do the Ogopogo If we get to $3,000, that's the price. That's the price. I can, we, you we, can put a price on anything. Will we do the dance, too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool. So, if we ever make $3,000... I will straight up get out my banjo, and I will learn to play banjo for the Ogopogo. Amazing. Perfect. All right. Let's get back to talking about the real Ogopogo. Will the real Ogopogo please stand up? That was dumb. Please stand up. Out. <laughs> well, the Ogopogo can't stand up. It's a giant sea serpent. There are dozens of reputed lake monsters around the world, but what makes Ogopogo especially interesting is its previous incarnation, according to legend, as a bloodthirsty killer. Oh my. Ogopogo, some believe, has its roots in native Canadian Indian legends of a beast called Nahaitik, also spelled Naitaka, that would demand a live sacrifice from travelers for safe passage across Lake... Oh. Hundreds of years ago, whenever Indians would venture into the lake, they brought chickens or other small animals to kill and drop into the water to assure a safe journey. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's clear, however, that these stories were not referring to a literal lake monster like Ogopogo, like we talked about, but instead to a legendary water spirit. Though the supernatural Naitic of the O... O Valley Indians is long gone as a a decidedly less fearsome and more biological beast whose exact form is a matter of debate has replaced it. Ogopogo is often described as dark and multi-humped with green, black, brown, or gray skin. The head is said to look like that of a snake, sheep, horse, seal, or even an alligator. That's too many. It's so many. Some eyewitnesses say it has ears or horns. There's don't. Many sightings simply describe a featureless log, quote-unquote, that came alive. Okay, no. <laughs> sorry. That was aggressive. I'm sorry. But a, a log that came alive. Let me just run down this list for you again. Okay, give me. The head is said to look like that of a snake, sheep, horse, seal, or even an alligator. Those are all too different. I could see the silhouette of, like, horse and sheep and alligator, maybe. That's the thing. I think, like, between any two of these, there are enough commonalities, but all of them together, like, I just can't. I can't. The person who saw a log come alive has been, had been imbibing. I do not know of what. Uh, it's one of those fearsome lumberwoods deals. You know, they were trying to stay safe from the hide behind and in the process. A little bit <laughs> So it is worth noting that timber is like the prevalent industry there. Like logging is a, a huge, mm-hmm. huge thing. And so there are logs in the water frequently. So a lot of yeah. these have been dismissed as sightings of like, oh, what you just saw was like huge logs under the water. Yeah, you just no saw a deal. log and mistook it for a 50-foot sea serpent. No worries. With a seal head. Yeah. Or a horse, maybe. Or sheep, I guess? 
Horns and also ears? Maybe not horns or ears. We don't know. Maybe none. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Maybe it's just got little hands on the side of its head. Who knows? But let's talk a little bit about sightings. Please. So this lake that I've previously mentioned. Ah, I love Lake Redacted. (laughs) Is in British Columbia, about 250 miles east of Vancouver. The lake is 84 miles long, big lake, and between 2.5 and 3 miles wide, with an average depth of 249 feet. Mm. The lake has been searched several times, most thoroughly in a 1991 expedition that looked for the monster with high-tech devices. But like high-tech by 91 standards, so... Yeah, I was going to say, like... Grain of salt. Grain of salt. I was going to say, what? Do they, like, use their Walkman? <laughs> Can you pronounce that for me one more time? <laughs> their Walkman? Yes, you teens with your Walkmans. I'm sorry, is it pronounced Walkman? Yes. Did you know I only ever read that in, like, <laughs> YA books written in the 90s and I've never said it out loud before? God. <laughs> yeah, it's like your Walkman, you know? Like... <laughs> like you're walking and listening to your Walkman. Like, it's just a, you know. I never, I just called it a CD player. <laughs> it's not a. Or not a CD player. A Walkman plays tape cassettes. Tape player, sorry. Not CD player, tape player. My dad used to call my CD player a Walkman. <laughs> Wait, and he said it like that too? Yes. Rick? <laughs> I don't know. Oh my God, oh, I love that. Every day my reality gets more disrupted. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I can't pronounce the name of this lake. <laughs> well, this is like, I grew up reading uh, the word errands mm-hmm. in books. And I also heard people say errands, like stuff they had to go do. But I didn't connect that those were the same word. So I heard, I heard. I heard errands and I heard it like A A R O N S and I read errands and I read it as a rans. So, yeah, no, totally yeah. fair. Hard same. I like yeah. and specifically a lot of my vocabulary came from the Redwall books, which I was obsessed with mm-hmm. as a child. And one, um, there's a lot of like UK spellings in those books, oh, yeah. obviously. And two, it's like a lot of words that are not used like over here. So I would mm-hmm. like in common, you know, elementary school conversation. And so oh, I would yeah. like pick up all these words and think I knew exactly what I was talking oh, about. Yes. And I'd be like, well, I'm sorry, what did you just say? <laughs> Slightly unrelated uh, Redwall tangent. Did you know that the Redwall books were like the first thing that ever made me obsessed with? Like as a child, I was obsessed with the concept of mead. I really wanted to try it. I wanted to know more about it. Because and how do you drink- feel now to be on the other side? Oh, it's also great. I, I feel great. It's great. I feel, it's yeah, delicious. Good. But as a kid, I was just like, what is this mysterious drink that they're always en- enjoying? is a strawberry cordial? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I asked my mom at one point what a strawberry cordial was. Uh, anyway, Ogopogo. Ogopogo. The lake has been searched several times, most thoroughly in a 1991 expedition that looked for the monster with high-tech devices, including a remotely operated vehicle and a miniature submarine. The pilot took the vehicle to a depth of 840 feet along the lake bottom at the deepest part of the lake, but no Ogopogos were sighted, nor did the submarine discover any of the creature's carcasses or bones. Oh. Yeah, okay, thank you for that. It's got no bones. It got, it, well, they didn't discover any. No, I'm telling you. It cleans you that, up after itself. No, that means it has no bones. It got no bones. It's got an exoskeleton. <laughs> All right. The best film evidence of Ogopogo is about a minute of footage shot in 1968 by a man named Arthur Folden. Folden noticed something large and lifelike in the distance out on the calm water and pulled out his whole movie camera to capture the object. And this was in 68. That's so, like, right, Arthur. Quick thinking, Arthur. An investigation 
uh, that the author of this article, designed and conducted with John Kirk for the National Geographic Channel TV show Is It Real, in 2005, revealed that the object Folden filmed was indeed a real animal, but its size had been greatly overestimated. Uh. It was probably a waterfowl or beaver, <laughs> too no. far away to be identified, but still leaving an impressive wake in the calm water. Just a beaver. Side note, I really love that their show is just named after um, my favorite kind of comment on YouTube videos about the paranormal, which is just like a slightly confused like child who stumbled onto YouTube and they just comment, is it real? Is it real? <laughs> like, um, there's a, I fall, there was, I was looking at uh, YouTube videos by uh, um, like this magician did like a bunch mm-hmm. of like YouTube videos of like different magic trip tricks. And there was a comment that's one of my favorite comments in all of Instagram history that was definitely by a child. I didn't look at their profile, but I'm pretty sure just mm-hmm. from context clues. And the comment was just, is that even real? <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> is that's that even story. real? Is that even real? Like, excuse me? <laughs> that's the title of my paranormal Does investigation Does that guy show? really have quarters in his ears or are you pulling my leg? <laughs> it's not even real. It's not even real. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. What are eyewitnesses seeing? As with all lake monsters, there is no one specific explanation that accounts for all sightings. There are animals that might be mistaken for a strange creature when seen at or near the water's surface. If Ogopogo is real and exists, what is it? Explanations range from the plausible manatee, sturgeon, or fish, to the exotic, a dinosaur or a type of prehistoric whale called the Zuglodon. Oh, that's a cool name. Isn't that a great name? Z-E-U-G-L-O-D-O-N. I'm always here for any kind of theory about a sort of leftover relic from a bygone era, like a sort of an animal that should have died out with the dinosaurs and didn't. Oh, hell yeah. I'm always here for the dinosaur voice. Yeah. (laughs) I can't wait till we get to do an episode on the Mokele Mbembe, because that is like awesome. Oh, yeah. I just, yeah, I'm always so here for the idea that something is a, either, either it is a prehistoric species that has somehow survived, or it is a descendant of one that we didn't know about. Because, I mean, dinos- Dr. Hammond's at it again. Uh, I was gonna say, dinosaurs became chickens. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's to say that the thing you just said that I can't pronounce or remember the name of, but I liked it, <laughs> didn't have some sort of maybe smaller descendant. So maybe it is smaller than than people exaggerate it to in their stories. But Oh, yeah, totally. I of- mean, sharks, like, are still here. Sharks are yeah. directly just straight up there were sharks back when there They're, were dinosaurs. Yeah, like- sharks are just littler megalodons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just baby megalodons. I mean, they're not baby. You know what I mean? They're they're, they're just uh, they're micro megalodons, travel size. Yeah, and under the right circumstances. I mean, there are also animals with like lifespans that seem bizarre to us. You know, I mean, there oh, are yeah. animals with lifespans much much shorter than ours. But there are also animals like that under the right circumstances could theoretically never die. Yeah, like so. Basically, Some tortoises could just keep going. Yeah, forever under the right circumstances. And like, do you know about Lonesome George? I don't want to talk about it. Okay, sorry. Anyway. And so, like, an animal like this in the bottom of a lake that's not usually explored or probed to that depth under the right circumstances with water pressure and things that have stayed mostly the same, you know, and and that deep, like, you're not going to have temperature changes that drastic. Like, under those circumstances, it's possible that something could be, and I'm not saying this one has existed for, like, 65,000 years, but maybe, like, it's one or two generations later and it's been there for a while. Yeah. I love – I hope it has. I hope it's been there for 65,000 years. I, I am obsessed with the idea of just like – I hope it's been there that long and I hope it's I hope it's smart and I hope it knows how long it's been there and I hope it's kind of just been listening to human history happen above it. I'm obsessed with the idea of like ancient 
smart creatures just kind of living deep underwater. It's actually like my favorite idea. It's or it's a monster from the future that crash landed its time journey space vehicle under the lake. Mm, I don't like that as much. Well, then you should never read Sphere. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's okay. That was just a joke for the Sphere Phantom, <laughs> which is like three people. Uh, it's a Michael Crichton book. Oh, okay. You know, I just figure I'm already making so many Jurassic Park references, i got to expand my my domain a little bit. The movie's pretty good. It doesn't really get to the same things as the book, but um, mm-hmm. Samuel L. Jackson's in it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I love the Ogopogo. I personally like the theory. <laughs> if it's a manatee, I'm disappointed. As much as I enjoy <laughs> manatees... We do love man. How I actually I want to launch an investigation now and find out like how many aquatic cryptids are actually just manatees. Yeah, since mermaids are regarded as probably being manatees, which is one of the funniest things I've ever heard, by the way, because mm-hmm. I I know we've already had the mermaid episode where I talked about this a little bit, but like the idea that a sailor could be like, ooh, who is that gorgeous babe? <laughs> it's hysterical. It's I love a it so manate- much. It's a manatee. It's a manatee. It's really good. I'm just imagining a manatee in a bikini. We got that amazing art. It was Someone, so good. Manatee pixie dream girl. Yeah, somebody drew us a manatee pixie dream girl, and she's beautiful. She's so cute. Um, I, We retweeted it. If you go to our Twitter, you can scroll through it and see it. But like the idea of just somebody seeing like, a manatee lounging on a rock and be like, who is she? Mm-hmm. Is is incredible to me. But also the idea of someone seeing a manatee in the water of, of Lake Redacted and saying, oh, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid by this mysterious... <laughs> oh, no, look at that 15-meter manatee. Although um, the, like, sheep-adjacent face makes a little more sense if it's a manatee. Honestly, yeah, it does. And s- sort of sheep face... Was dog face one, or did I make that no, up? No, no, there was horse, sheep, snake... Gator. Seal. 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 Seal face and sheep face make sense if it's a manatee. Mm-hmm. Anyway... <laughs> Or a seal. It could be a seal. It could just be a seal. A very confused seal. Yeah. <laughs> Help this boy. He's very lost. <laughs> Help the boy. Okay. Uh, let's go to mythology.net. Oh, please. Let's always go to mythology.net. And this is by someone just credited as Professor Geller. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Ross Geller wrote this. Oh, no. Never mind. I'm not using this source anymore. <laughs> Ross Geller wrote our next source. <laughs> the only uh, important thing Ross Geller has ever done. Mm-hmm. Was he the one that studied dinosaurs? I never he watched He was. Friends. He's a paleontologist. Okay. Well, then I guess this makes sense. That's why That's why I think whoever did that did that on purpose. Like, that Oh, was... shoot. Well, I hate them and now we can't use this source. No, we have to. I don't know anything about Ross except that I hate him. <laughs> He's terrible. He's I'm going to get hate mail from Ross Geller fans. I, from Ross Geller stands are going to send me emails hey, and be mad at hey, me. Hey, real quick. Ross Geller fans, fight me. In 1926, (laughs) 30 cars full of people on the shore of this lake in British Columbia, Canada, witnessed something that would haunt them for the rest of their lives. A series of huge serpentine humps rose and fell through the calm lake waters, cutting a large wake behind them. All the witnesses agreed that the humps must belong to the lake's resident monster, Ogopogo, making this one of the most credible monster sightings ever documented. Yeah. I'm into this for so many reasons. One, I'm very here for the idea of like, this is a super credible monster sighting. Two, very here for the fact that in 1926, there were just 30 cars full of people on the shore of this lake, like as if they were all vacationing there for the day, but also um, all just in their cars at the same time, like they had all just arrived. Uh, But also it's like all the witnesses agreed. So like they all talked to each other after they saw it and they were all just like, all right, real quick, let's just settle something before the cops get here. Like that was Ogopogo that we saw, right? That was right. That was Ogopogo. Pogo. Raise your hand if you think it was Ogopogo. All right, cool. Majority rules. Ogopogo it is. And we like, all, we're all in agreement, right? And like one guy named Daryl's just like, I think it was a manatee. Um, and you're like, nobody cares what you think, Daryl. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, anyway, what is Ogopogo? Ogopogo is a lake monster, usually seen as a series of humps moving across the surface of Canada's lake. I'm not sure monster's right. Like, what has it done? Has it done anything wrong? Yes. Oh, Oh, no. Is the Ogopogo a, like, secretly really problematic fave? I I wouldn't say problematic as much as I would say reputed to literally kill people, (laughs) which is less of, like, a problem. That sounds pretty problematic. (laughs) I kind of reserve problematic for, like, they're generally likable, but, like, there's some questionable stuff in their history. This is straight up, like, it kills people. (laughs) Okay, fair. (laughs) Like, we're not saying, like, well, I heard that the Ogopogo, like, did some stuff in his younger days that wasn't so cool. It's like, hmm... Probably bloodthirsty. It's like, I heard the Ogopogo make a kind of sexist joke at a party, but it did apologize to me later. Yeah, like, would you call Jack the Ripper problematic? (laughs) If so, then I guess the Ogopogo is problematic. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just like, it's not a word that I think really addresses the root of the issue. All right, very problematic. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Okay, tell me about what it did. Tell me about its crimes. Yeah, let's, uh, let's get there. Anyway. Lake monster, usually seen in a series of humps. History is littered with sightings of the giant lake serpent, and many cryptozoologists have conducted research about him. To date, there is no conclusive evidence that can confirm or deny the idea of the elusive Ogopogo, etc., etc. Duh! That's why we're here. (laughs) Okay, the monster is usually described as having a snake-like body. Atop his body is a head said by various people to resemble a snake, a horse, or even a goat. Which is a new one for our list. A goat! Mm Mm-hmm. Long ears or horns adorn the monster's head in some descriptions, and his skin is deep blue or dark brown. Joke's on them. Goats have horns and ears. Whoa. All right. All right. So behavior. Okay. According to early Native American descriptions, uh, Lake Okanagan's monster is a violent flesh-eating predator capable of turning humans into prey. Oh. Early Native Americans would not travel across the lake without having livestock on board their crafts ready to be sacrificed to the hungry beast, which we did talk about a little bit earlier. We mentioned, like, them carrying small game with them in order to, like, kill and yeah. drop in the lake. I don't, <laughs> know how like I, feel, weird... I don't know how I feel about something so dangerous having such a cute-sounding name, like Ogopogo. Yeah, it's right? like if they called Jack the Ripper Stabby Jack. <laughs> oh, no. Stabby Jack. <laughs> yeah, that's real bad. It's 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 a little cutesy for something so scary. It is. It honestly is. I don't believe that he plays the banjo unless he uses it to bludgeon his prey. <laughs> I don't know. I've known some pretty crummy banjo players. <laughs> bad at the banjo or bad at life? <laughs> <laughs> little both? Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's interesting. We don't really have any, like, specific instances of the Ogopogo, like, killing people. It's more just that the overlap between this and the sort of myth that it's associated with involves a lot of bloodthirstiness. So I'm again, it depends on whether or not you think that like this thing is a manifestation of that mm-hmm. malevolent river spirit, or if you believe that it shares like name and concept only, if you think it's a massive mm-hmm. coincidence, uh, or if you are just sort of naturally assuming like this thing has to feed on something and there's not really like much there except a whole bunch of logs. If it feeds on logs, it's good to go. Yeah. Would explain why people mistook it for a beaver. <laughs> Oh, my God. It's like, that thing is 40 feet long. Probably a beaver. Um, That was just a beaver. Also, if there's no evidence that it actually did, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying it did it, but I am saying there's potential that this is merely just uh, propaganda spread by its many enemies. Oh, it's possible. I mean, you live that long, you're going to make some haters. You're going to make some enemies. Yeah. Today, you're going to make some haters. You're going to build them out of clay. You're going to make haters. You're going to craft haters. Actually, hater was the doctor's name. (laughs) Today, Native Americans believe that the monster's home is on a barren island called Rattlesnake Island. 
In addition to his island home, Ogopogo also frequents the headwaters of some of the rivers that spill into the lake. Hear me out. Maybe he eats rattlesnakes on Rattlesnake Island. Maybe he eats rattlesnakes. Uh, Related creatures. Scotland's Loch Ness Monster springs to mind for many people when they hear about Ogopogo for the first time. Like Ogopogo, Nessie is a lake-dwelling creature who is often seen moving in serpentine humps. However, sightings of Ogopogo predate Nessie's rise to stardom by about seven years. So it's unlikely that the sightings at Loch Ness inspired these sightings in Canada. Dang, all right. Yeah. No copycats here. Nope, none. Which is a big thing, right? People are like, well, Nessie's the most famous water cryptid. Probably this one was just, like, inspired Mm. by that. But not so. I mean, I love Nessie. Ogopogo did it first. She's graceful. She's beautiful. She's elegant. Your fave could never. I love her very much. Very, very much. But, like... Ogopogo was first. Ogopogo was first. Ogopogo is the, uh, the, the OM, the original monster. Oh, man. All right. Ogopogo is, is, is such a whimsical name. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Mm, okay. okay, why isn't there... This is a ridiculous question, but also, why isn't there a brand of pogo sticks called Ogopogos? I don't know, but that's incredible. Why like, don't they sell them... pogo sticks? Yeah, why don't they, like, sell them in the gift shop at the at Lake Redacted? I'm not gonna, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to try to say it. I'm going to mess it up. So I'm going to call yeah, it... Honestly, yeah, honestly, same at this point. Lake Redacted. Lake Redacted. Well, uh, this is from MysteriousUniverse.org. Oh, I love Mysterious Universe. Yeah, it's okay. Great. While Loch Ness, Scotland's Nessie, is certainly the most mm. the world's most famous lake monster, it assuredly does not stand or swim alone. Numerous lakes around the world are said to be the lairs of all monstrous serpents of the deep. In likelihood, some sightings of such alleged creatures are likely to be due to mistaken identity of catfish and sturgeon, catfish. both of which can grow to impressive sizes. I mean, yes. Have you seen? Um, oh no, I just forgot it. What's the show where they catch the catfish? You know what I'm talking about? No, I think it's called Swamp People. Um, there's a, it's like a, it's like a, a reality show about like people who mm-hmm. are catfish hunters in like the swamp. And I, um, was at a, my, one of my cousins watches it all the time and I was there and you know how they catch the catfish? How? They literally like go out into the water and then just like shove their hand down into the water and like the catfish like tries to eat the hand oh, and then they pull it out and the catfish are huge yeah, and scary. Enormous. Fish are another creature like that that can grow to like ridiculous sizes if they're not stopped. So like for example, did you know that like the goldfish that you see in decorative ponds and whatever that are like enormous, the exact same goldfish as like goldfish that you keep in tanks or when it fares. They're yeah. the same species. Yeah. They're like the exact same. It's just that uh, fish in particular grow to whatever their limiting factors are. Yeah. So just show like solely based on their environment and what's available to them, it determines how big they get. Oh, I love that. I've always loved big, big, big goldfish. Yeah. And, and like, literally, there's one where one time my brother used to keep fish, and we had several fish for this tank, and one of them was, like, a goldfish. We just got a peck for, like, five cents. It was, like, a five-cent goldfish. And it grew to be literally, like, half the length of my forearm. Amazing. And we had to get rid of it because it kept <laughs> accidentally swallowing our neon tetras because it was so huge. Oh, it was way too big no. for the tank. But it was just like this enormous goldfish that just because we didn't, I mean, it was at least like six inches long. It was a huge goldfish. I'm so sad. It didn't mean to. No, it didn't. And we didn't like want to kill it or anything. So we straight up just had to bag it and take it to the pet store and be like, can you do something with this fish? Like, we know you probably can't sell it, but we can't keep it in our tank anymore. <laughs> oh, no. So, um, hey, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> maybe the pet store dumped that goldfish in Lake Redacted. Oh, no. I have to go up and meet it. It's going to be like a free willy kind of deal where I'm like, do you remember me? Oh, man. He's huge now. And he's he's just enormous. Um, He's 40 feet long. I never want to see a goldfish that big. They're, like, wild enough small. uh, (laughs) Yeah, fish 
And fish are weird. Its eye is the size of your body. Yikes. Anyway. Uh, anyway, so probably just catfish is what we take away from this. Like a catfish in that it's a literal catfish or a catfish. No, it keeps using Loch Ness's pictures on its <laughs> Tinder profile when in actuality it doesn't look anything like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. That's why people can't tell if it's got like a goat head or a seal head a or catfish. a dog head. It keeps changing its pictures. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, what do you really look like? So um, it could be a catfish or a sturgeon. It could be. Anyway, but those are the reports that simply... Oh, but then there are those reports that simply cannot be dismissed in a down-to-earth fashion. Take, for example, Ogopogo. It's interesting to note that the lake, like Loch Ness, is a place of considerable size, one in which a colony of predominantly underwater-based creatures could survive and thrive. It's more than 80 miles long, 3 miles wide, and just short of 250 feet deep on average. Yeah, big, right? Whew, that scares me. <laughs> like its Scottish cousin Nessie, the Ogopogo has a long and rich history of sightings. We may never know for sure how far back into the history the creature... I'm so sorry. I'm, like, stumbling over everything today. It's okay. We may never know for sure how far back into history of the creature... Yeah, no, okay, the sentence is just wrong. It's not <laughs> okay. me. It's not you. Anyway, we can say for sure that the Native Americans that lived in the area as early as the 1700s knew that the waters of the lake were home to something monstrous and terrifying. That much is evident by the name they gave to the beast, or far more likely, of course, beasts. Mm. They called it the Naha'atik. Very appropriately, it translates into English as lake demon. <laughs> lake demon. Perhaps Lake Demon was too horrific for the locals, and they settled upon Ogopogo. <laughs> the story of the name is an intriguing and winding one, as the late cryptozoologist Mark Travinsky noted. The name Ogopogo might suggest to some that it is an Indian word, but all evidence points to a modern origin. According to Mary Moon, author of Ogopogo, the Okanagan Mystery, in 1924, a local named Bill Brimblecombe sang a song parodying a popular British music hall tune at a Rotary Club luncheon in Vernon, a city in the northern uh, O Valley. HFBD adapted the lyrics. As for those lyrics, they read as followed. I'm looking for the Ogopogo. His father was his mother was a mutton. His father was a whale. I'm going to put a little bit of salt on his tail. So that's a different version of the lyrics than the one we saw earlier. I like that one better. It makes more sense. And that comes into like the sheep head. Yeah, interesting. It makes more sense with the sheep head. It also just makes more sense in that a polywog cannot reproduce. You know, you're so hung up on this. I think polywogs can do whatever they want. They literally can't. No, I know this. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Unless it's not, like, polywog, like, tadpole. Oh, well, then what's a polywog? Did you ever watch Gullah Gullah Island? <laughs> oh, my God. I loved Gullah Gullah Island so much. It's a show that I frequently have to Google to remind myself <laughs> that it was real because I never heard anybody else talk about Gullah Gullah Island, and it was, like, one of my very favorite shows in the entire world growing up. Um, but that was a polywog. <laughs> that's true. Maybe that's what maybe that's what uh, got down and dirty with the whale and made the... <laughs> Then I'll show you that on the TV show. (laughs) No, well, they had to cut that out for children. Yeah, I should think so. (laughs) Uh, Do yourselves a favor. Google Gullah Island. It's a great show. Anyway. Fun for the whole family. Now, when it comes to the eyewitness accounts of Ogopogo, the list is impressive, which is true. And I'm going to switch over to a different website that lists just a whole bunch of sightings, which is Oh, yeah, yeah. Give me sightings. (laughs) And this website is, and you're going to lose your mind when I tell you, (laughs) OgopogoQuest.com. <laughs> Does Ogopogo exist? Ogopogo Three question marks. Quest. Ogopogo sightings. Here are but a few of the many reported sightings over the years. Although many people who believe they did see the creature have not come forward because of possible ridicule, Bill Stichik from the Legend Hunters has found a large number of reported sightings over the many years of researching the subject. We thank those of you who have shared copies of their photos with us to use on this website. Here we go. Let's dive deep. 
And I'm going to have to skip through because, like, you can see right now, this is just forever. Oh, there's so many. There are so many sightings. So check this site out if you want a more comprehensive. OgopogoQuest.com. Love it. Pogo Quest. Okay, this list is from 1873 to 1981. 1873. The first recorded sighting by a Caucasian was by Mrs. Susan Allison, a BC, British Columbia, pioneer and author near her home, Sunnyside Ranch, which is the location of today's Quails Gate Winery in West Kelowna. Okay. Mrs. Allison was very specific in her description of seeing a snake-like creature, which closely mirrored the often repeated local native legend about the water demon. 1926. Occupants of about 30 cars along an Okanagan Mission Beach reported seeing Ogopogo. 1947. A number of boaters all saw the creature at the same time. One of the witnesses, a Mr. Cray, described it as having a long, sinuous body 30 feet in length, consisting of about five undulations, apparently separated from each other by about a two-foot space, in which that part of the undulations would have been underwater. There appeared to be a forked tail, of which only one half came above the water. From time to time, the whole thing submerged and came up again. I'm just going to say, Mr. Cray is way better at, like, guesstimating than I am. <laughs> yeah, very vivid. Also, I know it's a technical term, but my God, undulations is Undulations. Ugh, I hate that. Anyway. 1959. Mr. and Mrs. R.H. Miller and Mr. and Mrs. Pat Martin reported seeing a tremendous creature with a snake-like head and a blunt nose swimming some 250 feet behind their motorboat. The group watched the unknown animal for over three minutes, after which it submerged. All right. 1964. A Parmenter family member was able to take a photo of what they saw in the lake. Year unknown. Jeffrey Tozer, the son-in-law of British Columbia Premier W.A.C. Bennett, reported seeing the creature. 1976. Ed Fletcher of North Vancouver reported being able to take a photo of what he saw in the lake. 1978. Bill Bill Stichik was crossing the bridge from the west side of the lake in October of 1978 towards Kelowna. He caught a movement in the lake and immediately stopped his car. All the traffic behind him also stopped, and he was soon joined at the rail by about 20 other onlookers. All 20 or so people saw what appeared to be a head with three black humps behind it, perhaps 60 meters away, protruding out of the water. Bill and the onlookers watched the creature swimming for nearly a minute, after which time it disappeared beneath the water's surface, leaving a substantial wake. This sighting made a believer out of Bill, and he vowed to try to one day search for Ogopogo. Oh, he's, amazing. He's the founder of this website, so... Bill! That's his origin story. That's his origin story, yeah. Oh my god. That Uh, was like watching Peter Parker get bitten by the radioactive (laughs) spider. That was amazing. This is the Ogopogo Quest, where it begins. Ogopogo Quest Origins. Look out. I loved that. That was so much fun. 1978, 1979, and 1981 photos were taken by author Arlene Gall. 1981, photo taken by a Walkman family member. You can see the photo. It's not like say, super conclusive, but that just kind of looks like just yeah. Some and if you go to this site, stuff in the water. And if you go to this site, you can see all the pictures. There are a lot of them. Some He's of them are like shy. very unconvincing. Some of them are like okay. He's camera shy. Yeah. So 1981, it was right around regatta time, July 24th, 1981, around 1 p.m. We were in a rented ski boat and were running on the west side of the lake in the vicinity of Peachland, just a bit northwest of the tip of Rattlesnake Island. A water skier had just passed us going fast in the opposite direction to us, when suddenly a creature surfaced directly in front of us facing a northeasterly direction. We saw no head, just a body, my thoughts being that the head might be laying flat just below the surface. At first I thought it was the wake of the other boat, but then realized that the boat's wake was going the other direction. Ooh. As we came closer, the creature broke into a fast-paced undulating motion. I pointed our boat directly at it, but as we neared it, the creature dove, causing a large, frothy whirlpool. 
I turned the boat around and could see the creature two or three feet below in the water. It moved at great speed at least halfway across the lake before it dove deeper and out of sight. The creature was at least 50 feet long and seemed to be either very dark green or black. One, this is why I don't go water skiing. Mm-hmm. And also because I'm pretty sure I'd be bad at it. And two, I'm really confused because I don't think I've heard anyone posit this theory. Has anyone brought up the possibility it's a big old eel? No, I haven't seen any eel talk. Because freshwater eels are very much a thing. Right. I think the problem is that the undulation movements are up and down, whereas an eel is side to side. side. That's fair. I mean, stranger things have happened than an eel with unconventional undulations. That's true. Yeah, I think it's more like the humps out of the water that are very, like, not eel-like. It's just that eels have a much kind of a weird face shape that's a little bit like a snake and a little bit like other things. And it's that true, would, they do. And that would make a lot of sense to me with the kind of variation on like snake head, sheep head, all of those. I could see an eel looking like the intersection of like a snake and sheep face or like a snake and gator face or something. Yeah, that's definitely true. Also, I'm really scared of eels and I don't know why because I love snakes. Mm-hmm. Like, snake. I'm going to admit something to you all. Uh, this is now this email address is no longer active, so no one can identity uh, can thief my identity. But my very first email address was snakegal at wavetonet.com. and I wanted a then snake. Then Taylor Swift took it. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> I wanted a snake so badly until I found out I'd have to feed it mice, and then I got sad and I couldn't do it. But I love snakes, but I'm terrified of eels, and I now they're I the had devil's snake. They, they are. They're not even. They're just no. They're devil worms. They're devil worms. Uh, No, that's what leeches are. I hate those too. Um, I I don't know, guys, but I now had Cannon the Ogopogo as a big old eel. All right, let's burn through some more sightings because there are like at least 20 more. Oh, Oh, my God. All right. So 1984, photo taken by a Svensson family member. 1989, hunting guide Ernie Giroux and his wife saw a bizarre animal emerging from the placid waters. It was about 15 feet long and swam real gracefully and fast, Giroux told the press. The Giroux claimed to have seen an animal with a round head like a football. At one point, several feet of the creature's neck and body came up out of the water. Oh, my. 1987 to 1990, John Kirk had frequent sightings over a period of three years. 2000, a Penticton businessman and his wife apparently watched the head and neck of a large creature swimming through the water for several minutes while boating off Rattlesnake Island. 2000, the following was reported. At midnight Monday, six adults, including four security guards, spotted a strange-looking creature at the end of Bernard Avenue. The four-meter-long creature with four flippers, two at each end, thrust forward like a caterpillar. Oh, why does anyone go to Rattlesnake Island? No idea. 2000, a minister and his wife were hiking in Calamore Park on the west side of uh, the lake near Kelowna when they spotted a strange creature swimming on the surface of the lake and took its picture. Again in 2000, a lot of sightings in 2000. Visitors from Prince George, British Columbia, were walking in Bertram Creek Park. They suddenly saw a disturbance in the lake approximately 300 feet out. What appeared to be a huge log was moving parallel to the shore against the waves. They estimated it was 40 feet long and watched for about 45 seconds before it disappeared. 40 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, again in 2000, a marathon swimmer, Daryl Ellis, reported being accompanied for a short distance during a swim by two large creatures as he, paused, as he passed Rattlesnake Island. Oh, that's nice. He described them... As one being 6 to 9 meters, 20 to 30 feet long, and the other being smaller. Accompanied makes it sound like there is swimming I know, buddies. right? They followed him for quite a while and then disappeared. When he swam near the lake floating bridge in Kelowna, a creature with a large eye the size of a grapefruit came within 9 <gasps> meters to get a close look at him. Oh my god. Mr. Ellis' sighting was painted by a local artist with police sketch artist training. That's awesome. Yeah, it's actually really beautiful. 
Oh, that's gorgeous. There's a great so, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the Ogopogo isn't malicious after all, because it did just want to like go for a swim. It sounds like it was just kind of like and dolphins are a very problematic mm-hmm. fave, actually, but it yeah. sounds kind of like when people are swimming and like dolphins swim alongside for a while and then kind of peel off. Yeah. That's that is the thing that they'll do. They'll be like, Oh hey, a buddy, what's up, buddy? All right. So there's another longer sighting from two thousand. Okay. There are some pictures from two thousand one to two thousand two. I just think it's really sad that celebrities can't have private lives anymore because of the paparazzi. Honestly, it's the worst. Um, several sightings from 2003, more from 2003, 2004. Do you have any from, like, pictures. hella recent? That's what I'm looking for, because, okay. like, if I keep reading through all these, we're going to take forever. Here's one from 2017. Oh, Yep. June 24th, 2017. This sighting was on the lake, halfway between Sunoka Beach and the Penticton Marina. My wife, son, and I were on the boat around 1.30 in the afternoon, heading back to the marina. My son was driving as I was watching for stuff in the water. As we were heading south, I told him to watch out for the sea dew ahead. I have no idea what that is. As he was jumping around and making big waves. My son asked what side should we pass him on. I told him to wait until we got closer as he may change directions. When we started to get closer, 300 feet away, we all noticed there was no jet ski there, but this object that had three perfect symmetrical waves coming off of it. My wife said slow down as she thought it was a kayaker. We slowed down and approached the area and told my wife and son to grab their phones and start taking a video. Now this is the weird part. Not one of us had our phones. That never happens. So anyways, the object that was making the waves disappears, but the waves were huge, bigger than the wake my 25-foot boat was making. They were these perfect three waves rolling away to the west, not the east. There were no boats in the area either, and a super calm day. So we are not sure what we saw, but the size had to be huge as we thought it was a jet ski jumping around. The picture is so vivid in our minds. That's so cool. I like that mm-hmm. one a lot. That's one of the more believable ones, too. Uh-huh. Just seeing. And that's also one of the ones that would be scarier to me, to be honest. Yeah. Because, um, and I talked about this a little bit. I've talked about it before. Uh, in addition to my arachnophobia, joining my, my kind of collection of fears that I have, I have thalassophobia, which is the fear of, like, open, dark water. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like open water. Like, looking at pictures of, like, the open ocean and stuff, like, makes me anxious. And the idea of being on, like, a lake, which is very rare for me because of this fear, uh-huh. and seeing motion that it clearly denotes something moving under the surface of the water that I cannot uh-huh. see, that is clearly very large, is maybe one of my worst nightmares. So That would do it. That is a really good one. It's also very, very believable, not that the others aren't, because there's no really claim being made so much as there was something mm-hmm. moving under the water and it was big. I'm going to close off with one thing which I just happen to really love. And oh, yeah. this is from actually a really good website um, that I would tell you if I could pronounce the name of this link. <laughs> but I can't. I'll spell it for you. It's Sunny, S-U-N-N-Y, and then the name of the lake, which is O-K-A-N-A-G-A-N.com. Unpublished stories of Ogopogo. And there's an email address where you can send your stories or if you want to research it. But anyway, here's my favorite thing. It's a signpost, which is one of those like historical marker signs you see that tell stories sometimes. Yeah. And this one is a marker for Ogopogo's home. And here's what it says. Before the unimaginative, practical white man came, the fearsome lake monster, Naha'aitik, was well known to the primitive, superstitious Indians. His home was believed to be a cave at Squally Point, and small animals were carried in the canoes to appease the serpent. Ogopogo still is seen each year, but now by white men. That's amazing. I Sorry, wish what? <laughs> I'm not here for the primitive yeah, Indian. Yeah, don't love that. But the, what was, give me that descriptor of the white man again. The unimaginative, practical white man. That's good. It is solid. Mm, the unimaginative, practical way. And then this man. website has some more pictures and sightings <gasps> and whatnot, which are actually pretty cool. Oh. Yeah. Some really neat ones. Gorgeous. But, Amazing. Yeah. Check it out. It's all pretty interesting. She was smizing in that picture. She was. She was working her angles. She was uh, working her angles. She found her light. She did find the light. It was excellent. 
So that's the Ogopogo. I love the Ogopogo. Yeah. I don't believe the haters. <laughs> I don't think the Ogopogo's done anything Don't listen wrong. to the Ogopogo propaganda. I, I don't believe the haters. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think they've done anything wrong. I, I'm, I'm an Ogopogo fan. It also sounds like there might be more than one Ogopogo. So, like, it's possible that, like, one or two of the Ogopogo are giving the rest of them a bad name. Not all Ogopogo. Yeah. Hashtag not all Ogopogo. Yeah. What's the plural of Ogopogo? Is I was it Ogopogos just thinking about or Ogos I, Pogo? I, I think it's just Ogopogo. <laughs> like a herd of Ogopogo. Uh, a lake of Ogopogo. A, a pod of Ogopogo? A fear of Ogopogo. An Ogopogo pod. An Ogopod. An Ogopod. Ogopogod. Okay. And, oh, mm. Nope. <laughs> it's not working. That concludes this episode of MC Grammar. Of Ogopogo. Walkman of Ogopogo. Goodbye. <laughs> I've threatened to quit before. You have. I am the I am the girl who cried quit, but also uh, it's never quite worked out. It's never quite worked out. So but thank also you I quit. For joining us today. Yeah. Uh, a big thanks also to our sponsors this week, the Alexandria Archives, who you can find at alexandriaarchives.com. As well as on Twitter at WHAU Signal. And their podcast is, as we said, on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I thought I had something else to say. Very nice. It, like, evacuated my brain. Uh, so our oh, next oh. episode is, is... Is that what you're going to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. So our next episode is episode 50, right? Yes. Yeah. Big landmark for us. We're pretty excited about that. And so to celebrate... Oh, yeah. Our next episode is going to be a listener stories episode. So I've already started collecting some in Facebook messages and Twitter DMs and in the Facebook group, which if you are not a member is the Cryptic Keeper Appreciation Group. Get on in there. But if you have a sighting, please email it to us at cryptkeeppod at gmail.com. I'll be compiling all of them. And then please, when you send it to us, let us know if you would like to be referred to by your first name or if you'd like to be anonymous or like be called by a nickname. Tell us how to refer to you when we talk about the story so you know which that we're reading yours. Yeah, and sending it to the email address directly is like by far the easiest way, unless one of us has personally confirmed like, oh, I got this. If you send it to the email, that's the easiest way for us to make sure we don't miss one. I yes. know a lot of people um, reached out to us after our last listener story episode and we're like oh my gosh i have one um and especially after the shadow people episode we got a ton of people who were like oh my gosh i have an experience um so just go ahead and email those to us we'd love to share them on the, the show we'd love to talk about them and the easiest way for us to do that is we have them all in one place and we know precisely how you want that story told if you've just like tweeted to us we don't necessarily know if that's something you're comfortable sharing with the world or exactly. like just with your twitter sphere or so just make sure you let us know so we can credit you correctly not make you like uncomfortable in any way shape or form and we can make sure that your story is being told in the way you want it to be exactly. Exactly. So uh, again, that is cryptkeeppod at gmail.com. That is C-R-Y-P-T-K-E-E-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. And that's where you can please send us your stories, your experiences, um, your what, what's your like hometown cryptid, your local urban legend, your friend of a friend of a college roommate, what if it saw something, send it all. Um, listener story, uh, the last listener, oh my gosh, the last listener stories episode we did was so much fun and I would love to, I'm so excited to do this next one. So yeah. Yeah. It should be a great time. Absolutely. And then, uh, anything else? I think that'll do it. I think that'll do it. So as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there.